morning, everyone. If you will please be ready and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I am so glad that you guys are my family. And I say family with a lot of weight to that word. Um, the world is, is crazy. There's so much craziness going on. It's, it's draining to watch the news, to do social media. But to know that I've got a family of believers uh, who are my brothers and sisters in Christ. By the way, when I call you bro and sis a lot, you know that there's that deep spiritual meaning. It's not just a California thing. Um, but, but we need each other. We need to continue to encourage one another to walk this journey of faith together, our lives together side by side. Um, and it's just so important to who we are as a church. And as we go forward, this is a church that we need to be. A, a united, a, a, a united church, a unified church that, that is focused on Christ and what God is doing in our lives and not only encouraging one another, learning, growing, discipling, and then, but then leaving the, this building and continuing to be a light in this world. Um, and so if you turn with me to, uh, Philippians chapter two and we're going to be hanging out here for three weeks. Uh, the theme for all three weeks is unity, if you haven't picked up on that. Today we're going to be talking about being united in humility. Next week is united in obedience as we follow Christ's example in humility. And then united in witness, uh, who we are as lights in the world. So read with me, starting Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. And I have so... It also could be there. Oh, it says therefore. That means we got to go back and see what it's there for, right? So I'll actually jump up to 127, Philippians 127. And it says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or, an, or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So here's Paul writing to the church in Philippi. Uh, he's in prison. Uh, this is a church that he started, and they were worried about him being in prison. They sent Epaphroditus to go deliver a gift and to give him encouragement and to let them know how much they love him. And Paul's writing back, and this is now what we have uh, with the letter to the Philippians. So Paul's writing from a distance to the church and wanting to encourage them. So let's continue with Philippians 2, verses 1. I'm going to read all the way through 16. These are the verses that we'll hang out in for the three weeks. Uh, two, starting in chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation." among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And so here's Paul wanting to tell the church in Philippi, we've got, you've got to be united. Um, and, and lays out some examples and lays out some steps for us, for the church to be united. Um, and there's... There is so much to be said of a church that loves each other, encourages one another. Um, when people are dealing with a, a struggle or a situation, they rally around them, they pray for them, encourage them. And I tell you what, I thought back to a time when a group of people needed to be unified. And it took me back to California, and we were on a mission trip. And it was our youth group. We didn't have Infuge in California. So we would do Fuge at our location. Then we'd go do a mission trip um, somewhere north of where we were in Bakersfield. And we usually did tent camping. Uh, saved a lot of money. Tent camped, had a couple of people to cook our foods. Uh, we would go work with, with a church and do vacation Bible school and different events. So this one year, this one night, the adults, it's, it's dark. Um, the adults and I are sitting around. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing. And all of a sudden, a couple of our, the students came up a little shaken. Um, they were a little freaked out because the camp site that we went to had this kind of little ferry that you could go about 100 yards across this pond uh, and it was, it was self, you know, it was like a, on a pulley system with a rope. So you get on the, the ferry, you'd have to work your way across. Well, a couple of my guys were on the swim team in high school. And they thought it would be fun to scare some of the other kids on the ferry. They ended up flipping the ferry in the water. So it's fairly dark. It's not pitch black. But it's bad enough that, but that then... This, this ferry, and it, it might have only been enough for like eight people. This thing flipped all the way upside down. They got out fine. They were safe. Um, that could have been, that <laughs> could have been a problem. It may not have been a ministry to this day if that had happened. Um, so I was like, okay, you guys are fine. I'm like, great. I have to go in the morning and talk to the people who run the camp and say, look, you know, we flipped the ferry. I'm really sorry. Um, so I go, and they said, 
that's fine. Well, not, they weren't happy about it. They didn't say that's fine. Um, but they did say, I said, you know, whatever it costs, if you have to bring a crane or something to flip this, because this thing had big barrels underneath the ferry. So it wasn't like just, oh, roll it back over like a kayak. I mean, this was going to take some some extra effort. And I said, whatever, you know, if it costs something, they're like, that's fine. They're like, we probably can't have anyone come out for a week. So now I'm thinking, oh, great. The youth group made it to where no one else in the camp can use this this ferry thing. I said, can we try to flip it over ourselves? And the guy's like, there's no way you're going to be able to do that. But if you want, here's a rope. Um, so he gave us a rope, and it's not the big, like, exercise rope thing. It wasn't quite that thick. But it was thick enough and strong enough to to do the job, probably something that they've used in the past. Uh, so I go get all, all of my guys, and some of the girls helped as well. Nothing about, you know, equal strength of... Never mind. I won't even go there. Needless to say, everyone was all in to try to flip this thing back over. Now, I had one of my guys, one of the men, you know, that manly man kind of guy that's like, yeah, you guys can't do that. And I'm like, yeah, right, watch me. So we, we tried and so we had, we had our, our swimmer guys on one side because we had to not only, we had to pull down the one, the bottom part of the ferry, push up the top part of the ferry to kind of flip it. Well, they could only get so far. Because if you guys ever tried to take like an empty bucket in a swimming pool full of air and push that down under the water, is it very easy? No. So imagine four huge barrels full of air that needed to get down into the water. So this thing was going to have to come up almost full topside um, to come back over. So I'm like, let's get the rope. So they got it a few a few feet, and then we had this whole pulley system. So we had the rope tied to the ferry, pulley system up around the tree with four or five people holding on, because now that's bearing the weight of the ferry. Well, then we tried to inch, 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 and it felt like an hour. It was probably only about 30 minutes. We finally got right over that threshold, and that thing popped back over, and it was the greatest feeling ever. Um, that success to the point that, that we talked about it for years after. Um, but here's a group of people that, that, that thought, you know what? We could have paid whatever, a couple hundred bucks for the, the camp people to flip this ferry back on their own. But now we've had a lot of people that were, would have been without. So we're like, well, let's do this. And it was, it was really cool. So here's a, a group of believers that knew that something had to get fixed. They work together to get that fixed um, with success. Now, sometimes we're in a situation at church that something may not be successful, but it's that great feeling, that feeling of accomplishing something as a family, as a group of believers. And that's just a fun story to kind of give us a bigger picture of what Paul's talking about, that for us to be a church, for us to be united in Christ, for us to do ministry successfully we've got to be united and we've got to have one direction and one purpose and that is to glorify god uh, to follow and pursue christ with all of our being and to allow the holy spirit to work in our life so go with me to to chapter 2 verse 1 and we'll look at verses 1 and 2 and paul is starts these two verses off with these if then statements 
if this is going on, then we, then this is the outcome. So it says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort from love, and this is agape, God's love, if any participation and fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and sympathy in our relationship with God and each other, then be of the same mind, same love, in full accord, and be united. It doesn't say be united, but that's the picture of one mind, that you, we all have one mind together. So Paul is telling us to be united based on these four things of what, of who Christ is in our life. Uh, on the basis of the grace of Christ and encouragement we have in knowing him, we're to be united. On the basis of the love of God that we have been comforted in, that we are united in Christ Jesus, the love of God that resulted in his sending his son, Christ Jesus, to die on the cross for us. As sinners, our love for each other needs to be abound more and more. We are to love each other deeply and be united. On the basis of the indwelling fellowship of the Holy Spirit, who helps, empowers, acts as our guarantee of salvation, we are to be united. And then on the basis of our, of our experience of the affection and mercy of God and from each other, we are to be united. Now, did anyone pick up on the Trinity alert? Did your radar go off? Look at the first three again. We, it mentions Christ, it mentions the Father's love, and it mentions the Holy Spirit. And a parallel for that is in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the very end of the book that says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So if we have experienced any of these things in Christ, if the Holy Spirit has been a part of our life, then we are to be united. Now, is there anyone here that has experienced any of that? I, I hope so. And I hope so online that, that hands are raised. If Christ is our Lord and Savior, if God is doing a work in our life, then the outcome needs to be that we are united. And verse 2 says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So Paul's joy was going to be complete. If you look at Philippians, a major theme throughout Philippians is joy. Um, he uses it multiple times, the word rejoice and joy. And so it is so important to Paul that the church is united, that his joy is complete in their unity as they are united. And think of how when something amazing happens to someone, you feel joy for them. You're, you're super happy, especially as a parent, different accomplishments of your children, grades, uh, different, their first job, whatever. Driver's license is a big one. Um, you know, when your, when your child gets their driver's license for the first time, that's a, it's an, it's an amazing joy. Now it's a little bit selfish because you're like, all right, they can do grocery runs. They can run the other ones everywhere. I was so excited when Tyler was at his test that I almost got in trouble. I almost failed his driving test for him. Here's why. So he did phenomenal in class, behind the wheel, he got his hours. We are at the MVA, and proud daddy, you know, he, he went off with the instructor, got in the car, and I'm like, I'm going to film this, because that's going to be awesome. I'm posting this thing. So if you've been to the MVM in the corner, I'm not obtrusive by any means. You know, they, they are coming right off the side of the building. 
and going through the exercise thing, whatever you call it, Andy. Um, so I'm filming this thing, and I'm zooming in because they're way over at the, the, the part of the course that they're in the parking lot. So they start driving to go on the road. All of a sudden, the car stops. I'm like, oh, no, did Tyler fail already? I thought he was doing good. The instructor gets out of the car and comes up to me. He's like, sir, would you like your son to fail his driving test right now? I'm like, no. He goes, he goes, you, oh, I said, no. Um, <laughs> he said, it is illegal to film anything or take pictures on government property. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. And he watched me delete the video of me, but I was so happy. I was so glad because I knew Tyler was going to nail it, and he did. He did really well with his driving test, but... But here's a situation that I felt that this amazing amount of joy as a parent to a child. Here is Paul whose joy is going to be complete with the church that he is, he has built and loved on and encouraged and, and discipled to be united. And he was like, if you're united in one mind, this is going to not only make me happy, it's going to be an amazing work of what God can do in the life of the church. So, as as Paul is, is working through this and, ex, and encouraging the Philippians, um, all throughout his writings, he talks about the united the unity of the church. And let me read to you Romans fifteen verses five and six. Actually, you can turn there if you want. Uh, Romans fifteen verses five and six say, "May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another." in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul wants nothing more than the church to be united. Because when there's division, there's going to be some conflict and some issues. So as we look at verses 3 and 4, we have the why of why Paul wants us to be united. So now he gives some steps of how to do this. And the key is humility. So look at verses 3 and 4. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Count others as more significant than yourselves. And three, look to the interests of others. So all of this is based on humility. And this is not, this is not weakness. Um, humility is a modest or low view of one's own importance. It is not weakness, but strength. It is actually harder and, and more difficult to be humble than it is to be weak. Weakness is having a poor self-image and letting people run over us. That's not what humility is. It takes more strength to be humble. Humility is the absence of pride. So let me give you an example of someone walking into a room. Here's a good test. Don't feel guilty if you're the one side or not. But if you walk into the room and you're like, Fling the doors open, you're like, I'm here, right? Look at me. Hey, party started now, I'm here. Everything's going to start, you know, being exciting. Okay, that's not very humble. The way to come into a room with friends with humility is to be like, hey, there you are. Hey, there you are. I'm going to come to you. I'm excited to see you. So there's kind of a test. If you come in a little flamboyant, then that's maybe your personality. And don't look at me like you know I've done that before. Um, Because I know you've thought that. 
Humility is not thinking less about ourselves. It's thinking about ourselves less. So it's truly putting others first. Um, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Um, we are selfish by nature, are we not? Have you ever seen a preschooler willing to share their toys with other preschoolers? Um, it's probably a rarity. I, it was in my house. Um, and selfishness in the Greek is erithia, which means a self-seeking pursuit. And actually, the context can even be in the political realm. Uh, that my my way is the only way, my politics are the only politics, and it, and it causes division. Conceit is to be prideful and vain. No one else matters but me. Um, life is all about me. I know none of you know anyone that thinks that life is all about them, right? Don't, again, don't, don't look my direction. Um, but true humility implies unselfishness. You can't have humility and selfishness at the same time. There's no room for both. You are either humble or you're being selfish. And and I had to learn that through marriage. Carrie's not here, so I'm fine. Um, but let me give you a little bit of advice, marriage advice, even if you're you're married for you've been married for a long time. Um, in fact, this year is our 30th, gonna be our 30th anniversary, which is pretty awesome. And it took me until recently to figure this out. Um, if, when I do weddings, um, 1 Corinthians 13 is a go-to passage. Um, the love chapter lists all of what love is. Um, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. So not only is unselfishness not hum or selfishness not humility, selfishness is actually also not love. Uh, and so husbands especially, and maybe some of you husbands enjoy this, watch a Hallmark movie with your wife. Okay? Put put their needs above yours. Now I was blessed with caring. I say that she was the only one that I dated, and this is why I married her, that she loved James Bond as much as I did. So I have a little mix. She watches some Hallmark stuff, but she likes her action stuff too. Um, But if you want more unity in your marriage, if you want more unity in your family, if you want more unity in any relationship, put the needs of others first. It sounds simple, it sounds easy, but it's hard. I mean, the selfish preschooler, still a little, well, still a lot in me. It's difficult to not be selfish and to want your own way. So going on, count others as more significant than yourselves. Esteem others better than ourselves. We live in a society that stresses equality. We need to be equal. There needs to be equality on all fronts. Um, And we hear this all the time. There not, needs to not be someone over anyone else. There needs to be equality, which I get, I love. But guess what? Scripture says to go beyond that. It's not just to be equal. What does it say? It says one step past that teaches that we need to actually put others or, or look at others more significant than ourselves. So it's not only equality, it's actually putting ourselves below others. Now we're getting a little, like, in my face, God. 
you know, this, this unselfishness is one thing, but now I've got to actually lower myself and lower myself enough to think of others better than myself. Um, and that is, that is huge. That we, when we start thinking highly of ourselves, we're in trouble. Because if we're on this equal pr- plane and I start thinking higher of myself than you, now I've lowered you and lowered who you are. And that's not the example of Christ at all. In Romans 12, 3, it says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. And then look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And that first word is look. We've got to be aware of other situations. When we are selfish, we are very closed, like narrow-minded. I only see what my need is. We need to look around and be aware and be sensitive to the needs of others and then go after that and and help in that need. Here's a cool thing looking at verse 3, is that we can take the word interests and replace them with some other words. So read the, or look along with this and go with me on this. Look not to your own health, but also the health of others. Look not only to your own family, but also the family of others. Look not to your own, to your own success, but also the success of others. Look not only to your own happiness, but also the happiness of others. You can put all sorts of things in there. Being aware of others and, and going after everything you can to help in that need. And this is another cool thing that we have as a church are our prayer requests. These prayers of supplication for other people to where we can share our needs and not only be able to interact and maybe help physically, but we can go to God spiritually and ask for help and encouragement for that person. So as we close this morning, why do we as a church need to be unified in humility? It's all about God. Christ loved us. He died for us. He forgave us. He accepted us. He justified us. He gave us eternal life. He made us heirs of the world when we, when he owed us nothing. Um, it is so much more than just our ticket to heaven. Christ allowed a relationship with God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit for us to be joint heirs with him in this life. He gave us worth when we were unworthy. Those reasons enough, we need to be all in to be humble and serve each other with a deep humbleness, a deep love for each other. And a little sneak peek of next week is we're going to look at verses 5 through 11. And verse 5 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This has all been pointing us to Jesus. Uh, this has all been pointing us, and we're going to look at his example of humility and what he did for us. And because of what he did for us, we then in turn can do for others and truly love and serve our church family, love and serve our community and our world with an amazing message of Christ Jesus. We need to be a church united in Christ and Christ alone. There's no other way. There's no other book to read. There's no other political side to have. There's no other philosophy. It is Christ and Christ alone. And that is a church that we need to be as we go forward. As we close in prayer, I pray that that God has spoken. Uh, He's spoken to my heart. I hope he's 
spoken to your heart as we continue in this journey as a church and as believers uh, that we pursue Christ with all that we can and keep an eye out on each other and help humble ourselves enough to serve others and to lift them up. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning that you, you truly have loved us with a love that we can't even describe. Father, the sacrifice of Christ Jesus on the cross. And then not, that you still weren't done. That we have the Holy Spirit at work. All, all of you at work in our life. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have not only to receive that love, uh, to receive that grace and mercy, but we get to give that away to those around us. And I pray for opportunities for us to serve others because we are serving you. As we leave this place and as we go into our community, a community that, that just desperately needs you, a world that desperately needs you. And we have an amazing message to share. Thank you for this time, and I pray that you have been glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.